Hey everyone, I'm Jose Hernandez and welcome to Behind the Backing Track for Outside and Music. Outside and Music is a media company and record label that connects jazz artists with their passionate fan bases. Please visit us at our website at outsideofmusic.com where you can see our artists and their recent releases, our podcasts, video interviews, and links to get in touch with us. Behind the Backing Track is a monthly podcast produced alongside Over Here by Big Boss Nick Vincer and Extended Harmony with music journalist Dan Gross. Covering music from TV, film, and video games, this podcast digs deeper into the inner workings of the composers, arrangers, editors, and engineers of the commercial music realm. I'm here with uh, Sam Gosner from Brazilian Studios. And um, we're here to talk about things you can do right now that could help you later. Way later. Or maybe not so later. Possibly they could even help you right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sorry. No. Uh, so, yeah. so, like, for example, you know, something that I always recommend. Now, I mean, granted, whoever is listening to this, you may be, uh, you know, maybe anything from a music educator to an aspiring film composer there's a lot of different career paths out there. And, you know, we're not so much here to say, you know, this is the way, this is the way forward. But, you know, we want to give you some food for thought, some different options you can look into for not only building more experience, but also building that essential communications network that you'll need to be able to find work down the road um, or right now if you are looking for work right now. Yeah. So, so maybe we should start <laughs> off <laughs> since we're both uh or we've both had experiences writing for uh games and and whatnot. Maybe we should start off by talking about that kind of career uh trajectory. Uh, what kind of things um do you think helped you uh to develop as a composer? Um are we talking about like composer for video games or just composer straight up? Just in general, what what kind of things have you always found useful or helpful? It could be anything. I, I guess in the context of what we're talking about, I it was it is super useful to just listen, listen to um all all of these you know inspirations, listen to what you like um, specifically because. And not just listen to it in like a casual sense, but I mean, really pay attention and see what goes on in something and why you enjoy that particular like track or piece. And then by, you know, I guess accumulating a list of different tracks and like reasons why you like each one, go and find like the common denominators, you know. Like, oh, this has a really heavy bass line, or these are some really dirty, cool chords, you know? It's <laughs> like, it, like there's no better way to get good at something than to just listen to a professional do it. Or listen yeah. to your yeah. favorite, you know, band or, like, group do it, you know? And in a lot of cases, you know, it's, it's great to do a little bit of uh, minor surgery on their works. And, you know, in some cases you can get your hands on a score or something. In others, you know, you're kind of left to your own devices. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember when I first started, I'd, um, 
you know, I, I try to like imitate a motif that uh, I from someone who I admired as a composer. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, I, I did the know, same thing too. <laughs> you don't, Hey, I still do the same thing from time to time, but now it's, <laughs> now it's done as a joke and, and not a, not a, uh, a, a cry for help. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, having a hero can be a valuable tool. Having a bunch of heroes can be the difference between having a uh, strong development and a strong foundation as an artist and being kind of a a one-trick pony. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, the way the industry is today, things are always changing, things are always moving. It's really essential to be able to have a fairly wide palette that you can pull from. So when someone, you know, this, this is leading into another great practice and one of my favorite parts of um kind of my developments as an artist Mm -hmm. was the game jams um now for people who aren't um in the scoring community who may not have heard of uh, a game jam uh these are certain events they could be a weekend or a week or even a whole month where uh, a random team of people get together and make a game or a part of a game uh, in that allotted time. And these things are are crazy amount of fun. And you always meet new people. Um, and they're always a great opportunity to just really sharpen your tools. So every game jam I've done, I've had to write some genre that I've never even heard of. You know, in some cases, glitch hop. Yeah, yeah. No, like really. One guy was like, "Hey, man, we need you to write like this crazy electronic track, like eight bit music." And I'm like, "There are no, there are no oboes in eight bit music. What do I do?" (laughs) But uh, I mean, learning, learning experiences, right? Mm -hmm. You know, stuff like game jams can be a really effective way to pick up tools. And you'll find in, in pretty much every industry, there's something like that. There's some sort of either a forum or some sort of community group or uh, regular activity that you can take part in. Pick a friend. Pick pick a fellow songwriter and, and say, hey, you want to write a song together? I mean, there, there's like there's evidence of like William Shakespeare like just collaborating with some other guy on a part of one of his plays yeah like we've been doing it for you know hundreds if not thousands of years don't be afraid to reach out and uh, work with a friend even if you're like a songwriter or what have you there there are even like things like this uh for example the month of february there is the all too fun challenge of both uh, February album writing month and the uh, revolutions per minute project, uh, which they both kind of do similar things, but they, you know, vary in terms of like strictness and like uh, requirements. So uh, February album writing month or FALM for short uh, is an organization that basically thousands of musicians all around the world uh, every month of February gather around to collaborate and to like listen to each other write an entire album's worth of music which is like 14 tracks um in four weeks uh 
uh, RPM is kind of the same thing, except they're a bit uh, leaner on that. It's either 10 tracks or 35 minutes of original music, which it, either one, I mean, it still works out the same way. But, like, there is a world out there. And even for, like, film composers and, like, other things in general, there are obviously, like, uh, short film contests and all this other stuff that you could just be like, hey, uh, I write music. Like, you know, here's examples of what I write. And if anyone's interested, just uh, shoot me a message and we can work. Yeah, no, those are all, you know, great ideas of, of different areas. And, of course, you know, kind of central to this is having a presence both in, in person and on the Internet. You know, the Internet is such a fantastic tool, especially for us artists nowadays in that we can reach people potential uh clients and customers all the way on the other side of the world mm -hmm. where something like that just couldn't have happened decades even just decades ago um you know you can collaborate with a guy in germany you know there, there's ways to do it now even in real time um which is just absolutely bonkers oh and home studio right <laughs> we will not speak of that in this conversation <laughs> but continue no but i mean there's there's all sorts of different options out there but most important is just being there getting um just standing up walking out the door or logging into your computer uh for the internet savvy and pursuing those opportunities wherever you can find them mm. like one of, one of the big issues that i see uh with a lot of folks is oh these things sound like they're a lot of work they sound like they'd be hard to start i don't think i have time to commit to that i don't think i'm ready for it i don't oh that's I mean that's a that's probably the biggest one right there. I don't I don't think I'm ready for that. I don't think I'm worthy of that sort of, you know, thing. I don't think I would make it. I don't think they would let me do No, no. 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 Do it. There are so many opportunities out there and there are so many chances for opportunities out there that there is nothing, there is zero zilch, no good reason that you shouldn't be emailing at least one person a day about a possible opportunity if you have time to pursue those opportunities. I'm not advocating, of course, going out and just randomly emailing people uh, with just nonsense requests. But let's say, let's say you have a hero, right? You know, we talked about heroes before. They're mm -hmm. definitely a good thing to have. Now let's say that maybe you're a couple years along in your development as an artist and you know you've maybe you've watched some videos some making of videos by your hero or uh, you know a couple people that you really respect as as creators maybe you've analyzed their works a little send them a message send them a freaking email because every time you do that you know, a lot of those people, remember, they're just humans. They're humans like you and me. Mm -hmm. And most of them are, to some extent, honored and pleased to hear from people who really enjoy and, uh, most of all, understand their work. 
you know it's 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 a different thing from you know oh your music is pretty it's so nice when you say hey i was looking at your piece blah 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 and i noticed this one part you have a melody which goes into a sort of a phrygian thing and i was wondering you know if, if that was inspired by another piece or it sort of sounded like this composer at this point you know uh, or what sort of instruments were you using at that you know time what sort of sample libraries mm -hmm. these people i mean a lot of them are more than happy to chat with you about you know their development uh how they came to do something what tools they use because because they want to if someone emails me um and says hey i'd like to learn more about how you made x sample library i'd say yeah what do you want to know i, w I wouldn't be like no go away screw you. you know a lot of people have this kind of thought inside that oh maybe they'll say no well yeah maybe they'll say no but what's the but worst thing about saying yeah. no is just it, there's there's no setback what's so bad about someone saying no to your request i mean you just try someone else mm -hmm. try something else maybe maybe they won't um maybe they won't give you a score but maybe they'll tell you a bit about how they recorded the piece or how they thought about creating the piece you know maybe something is licensed you know maybe they don't own the rights to something maybe it was sold to um, a, a record company or a publisher or something but maybe they can still talk to you about how they created that piece and the sounds they used to do it there are all these opportunities to learn and on top of that there are all these opportunities to collaborate so like something that was huge for me developing and i don't i don't know to what extent but you know possibly for you um was collaborating with other musicians yes yes yeah i mean getting yes. getting to see someone else doing their workflow like for example first time i collaborated with this this guy who wrote like he used a tracker okay you know what a tracker is the um I should probably just just explain a tracker in yeah, case there's anyone I'm out there who doesn't use them. Familiar. But basically, <laughs> it's it's a it's sort of like the granddaddy of the DAW, the DAW. Um, oh. Where it uses you literally enter your commands in like hexadecimal. <laughs> oh. It, it it has like a scrolling track of time code, and you say like, okay, at this time I want this note to to happen. At this point, I want this note to happen. And you know you really just program in the MIDI data. Was that Boza? Boza did not use a tracker. Okay, no. I was I was just really concerned for a sec. I was like, no, oh, no, 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 like how? No, did he... that was that was um, Computer One One Two. Really? I don't know if you remember him. Yeah, he he and I collaborated on two pieces. Huh. Um, but those experiences were great. You know, even working with this guy who wrote electronic music on a tracker and me writing like orchestral music in Finale 2009C <laughs> <laughs> using using uh, <laughs> using professional sample libraries in Finale 2009C is a primer on the save hotkey. But <laughs> yeah, my hand is permanently bent in the shape of the save uh, hotkey combo. 
it's i've gone to several uh good hand surgeons and none of them have a good prognosis so jeez, oh, uh, i've just left it that way um anyway yeah but like i learned how to do like how to use symbols effectively from that guy because hmm. he he knew he figured out you know how to use you know you use the symbol here but not here you know you don't want to do it too much you know but the right amount and he he the way we worked was you know i wrote a bit he wrote a bit we stuck it you know we stuck it together and then the other one um i wrote a melody he embellished then i embellished his embellishment mm. so we're kind of building layers and in that case you know we really got to see how each each of us thought about the piece you know at that point i was definitely a very polyphonic thinker thought about you know individual shapes lines counter melodies counter harmonies harmonies yeah all these things working together you know, uh, meanwhile now, you know, I'm, I, I think I've, I've changed. So I think a lot more horizontally than I probably should, uh, <laughs> but, uh, that's, that's the fault of the, uh, cheesy eighties samples that, uh, I've been working with lately. It, it um, that happens. It happens. You, you can't resist it, but you always learn amazing things from collaborations another one i had two roommates in college who were both guitar players one of them played like crazy out guitar stuff just like you know totally off the wall Mm -hmm. and the other one was like very traditional but like crazy good blues guitar player like slide guitar everything loud wonderful amazing distorted just like uh it was but it was amazing because i learned so much just from these two people i I probably learned more in that year from those two people than i possibly did in the classes i was taking (laughs) just from just from being exposed 24 7 to their mindsets on music Mm just learning to appreciate their philosophies about creating music and what they liked in music and how they worked you know mm-hmm. he uh, one of them was recording something so you know I, I said here use my mics and you know watching how he set them up watching where he chose to put the mics you know where he chose to do the recording how he chose to record it all these different mm-hmm. things really in turn serve to give me different things to think about as an artist hmm your turn to monologue um, i'm done <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i i agree with you and especially with that whole uh, i guess different mindset point that that brings me to the case of um opening yourself up to things that maybe you just either dismissed immediately or whatnot music is a very very it's it's such an abstract idea it's it's a cultural thing it's it so many things are involved in the just the intimacy of shapes of sound as libby larson likes to put it um that just like thinking about it um thinking about not only listening to things you like, but things that you either don't know or don't like 
and realizing what you don't like about them as well. I mean, I know that kind of just rehashes on the point of like, why do you like this thing? But rather like, why don't you like this thing is more important, I think, to your development because you, you, you have to identify why you don't like them. And, you know, I think that saying, well, I just don't like them is justification enough in some cases, but in a lot of them, it's kind Mm -hmm. of like there needs to be some kind of bigger thing. Like, is it like an ideological, you don't like it? Like, I don't like, for me personally, I don't like new music that is incredibly taxing on the performer because I think that Mm. virtuosic playing is like off-putting you know like Mm. um yeah even in even i definitely feel the same yeah even in the case of like things like list and like other romantic era composers that just like go insane it just kind of like i'm i'm good what's the point like you're not saying you're not yeah you're not really saying much but you're just saying it in like 16 different embellishments and like eight different like variations. Like I, I get it, <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting in that, you know, in a lot of cases, I just went to a talk today at the, uh, the local museum, the mm-hmm. museum of fine arts here in Boston, um, where they had some performances of Greek folk music. Okay. Which is totally fascinating rhythmically and uh conceptually just you know stuff like that wonderful opportunity for exposure if you have a museum in your area keep an eye on the program especially if they have musical instruments mm-hmm. there because they'll they'll often get like people to come in and and play them but more interesting and kind of going back to what you were saying there was in different parts of Greece there are very different styles of folk music Mm-hmm. and each you know even each island might have different instruments different tunings different uh you know favored uh scales and modes essentially that they use uh, of course different songs but the really cool one was uh the one of the performers came from uh the northern part of greece mm-hmm. and from the particular part he came from, the music was often quite slow. Um, you know, by by moderate standards. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, from the islands, the music was often quite fast, comparatively. Um, yeah. Still, still very fast. You know, even even by you know. 120 bpm finale default file standards but (laughs) um it was very interesting to see the differences you know both the the island styles that they represented were interesting as well as the styles from his homeland were very both were equally interesting i would say um you know one was rhythmically bright and flashy and catches your ear in, in such a way you know it just makes you want to dance all these different uh syncopated rhythms of of seven eight and nine eight and just fascinating stuff going on with the harmony and the modes and then in in the north of greece it's it's this kind of 
uh, in particular, the school that he followed um, was this kind of virtuosic, uh, there was like a drone figure and then embellishments would kind of ride along the top going over a core melody, you know, a lot like jazz mm-hmm. um, in a lot of respects or, or like early music with the idea of, of the uh, division uh, or the diminution. In both cases, actually incredibly similar to this. But it was just interesting to think, you know, these two very different worlds of music existing in a similar geographic, similar cultural area, being able to thrive and survive for probably centuries. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of these styles may have gone long back into ancient times, even crossing borders into distant lands. But it's, it's interesting to think, like, here's one perspective on music. Each of us exists in, in our particular perspective, right? We build up this little house with little walls and little doors and frames built out of the perception of the world around us. Mm-hmm. We believe the world works in a certain way. You either believe... People are mostly rational or mostly irrational. You believe perhaps people, uh, you know, maybe there's a greater being, maybe there's not a greater being. All these things that you believe inform your outlook on the world. And that itself is part of your musical growth. By reaching out and finding these new experiences, figuring out, if you like them or don't like them, figuring out why you like or dislike them, that's what really turns back. Because when I can sit there and, and, and listen to that music and say, I really like that rhythm right there, or I really like that scale, I can now use the tools I have to capture that scale, to capture that rhythm, notation, and I can come back later and maybe write a piece with that Mm -hmm. or maybe just think on it and maybe someday i'll I'll be working on a piece and it'll just randomly pop out in that piece just another little piece fed into the uh great meat grinder of the composer's brain (laughs) yeah yeah um so we've talked about listening to things you like, getting involved in, in kind of a uh, artist-slash-trade-craft competitions and listening to things you don't like. Um, and just listening, period. <laughs> is there anything else, really? I mean, like, in terms of just getting better solely. I mean, listening to other people is a good idea. It's always, for me, a big part of my development was finding people who I knew could criticize my work in a way that would allow me to build upon and continue to develop. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the people who I initially um, worked with and learned from and started my journey with were people who weren't afraid to say, hey, man whatever you do in there that's not working <laughs> that just informed me in so many ways through my early development 
that I, I grew very quickly because I was able to have people who, who could be like sounding boards who I could say, what do you think of this? And they wouldn't just say, oh, yeah, good, good. You know, they'd say, well, you know, I think this thing here maybe and, you know, that thing over there. I don't like that sound. Is, you know, when you have that kind of relationship with people around you instead mm-hmm. of, oh, yeah, good, good. You know, that kind of critical, mutual criticism is a fantastic tool in your development. And don't be afraid to be that mutual critic for somebody else. Don't be afraid to be honest with someone else and say, hey, man, you know, those those horn lines, they're just not working, you know, too high or guide tones are screwed up or doing something. <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't use the Sharp 11 so much. <laughs> yeah. I don't criticize people's Sharp 11s. It's a bad <laughs> idea. Uh, yeah, no, I totally get that. Um, I mean, it's, it's kind of just like building and fostering your own small community of which you are the, uh, village child. Like, you know, it, it, it takes a, it takes a village to raise a child, right? Is, is that, is that what the saying is? I have no idea. What yeah, that, that's the saying. I, I definitely agree with you there that it's, it's just about finding friends and colleagues that are able to sit down with you when you show them stuff and give their honest opinion about it and obviously it it doesn't hurt that they're that they may be as informed as you are musically but i think it might even be better to bring in friends who aren't so that they have to navigate themselves why they don't like something or they that they they do like something in particular and express it in a non-musical sense or in non-musical words so that you'll be able to, I guess, take those suggestions and criticisms and analyze them to get, gain an eye into like the public mind because that's really hard to think about. Like, What does the non-musical audience want, you know? Yeah, figuring out your audience is probably the most important bit of market research that you can do as an artist. Because once you've figured out your audience, then you can start to figure out your plan. You know, I I, I like to I like to ask the question of of people, where are you going? Mm. And I don't just mean that, like, are you going to the store? No, I mean, what? where are you going to be in five years? And I, at the same time, I also don't mean that, what's your five-year plan? I mean, what direction are you moving in right now? Where is, where is your musical ship <laughs> pointing? Mm. Because a lot of people don't realize where they're going. For a lot of us, we're just totally distracted by, you know, what's going on around us. Oh, look, there's a pretty island. Oh, there's a dolphin. You know, there's there's so much in the world now, especially between social media and uh, all the violence and news around the world. Everything just totally bombarding us from every direction. It's hard to keep in mind where we are and where we're going. 
So take a moment, yeah, I'm talking to you, and think about what direction you're going in right now. You know, maybe you think you're going in a direction. Maybe you think, oh, I'm working towards uh, becoming a public school teacher, or I'm going to grad school, or whatever it is that you think you're doing, but maybe you're not actually doing that. Think about what you're doing to make it to that point. Are you actually actively pursuing things that will get you to that point? Think about what we've talked about here today so far. So we've talked about uh, joining different groups and communities that will support you and, and foster your interests and your career path. We've talked about taking part in events in which you can practice and execute your experience. Are you doing those kinds of things actively? And if you're not, think about ways more that you can start turning yourself in that direction you can start working your career towards that path because no one's going to be standing at the end of, of college with a silver platter that is engraved your career and hand it to you. You have to be ready to make that career happen. You have to be ready to, with your bare hands, shape that career from nothingness. I realize this may sound a little depressing, and I totally don't mean it to be a uh, depressing, off-putting thing to anyone, but it's important to keep in mind whenever you're thinking about, should I do this? You know, should I go to this party? Should I uh, do this contest? Should I email this person I had, you know, respect and admire as an artist. Always keep it in mind where you're going, because I, I think in the end, if you can just keep that somewhere in the back of your head, you're going to find that one day you'll wake up and you are where you're going. Uh, yeah, uh, I agree with you, Sam, there. And I think the biggest thing to take away is that regardless of how you feel things are going currently, that putting in the sufficient amount of work, but n I mean, not only putting in the sufficient amount of work, but also reaching out to these communities and organizations that are, you know, offering things to for young artists and filmmakers and video game composers, um, to just go out there and do it. You're never too young to do anything. I mean, Nick Finzer, the guy who, you know, helped me uh, with this internship and with this podcast subsequently has told me before, like, you know, you're, you're never too young to do something because the first time you do something, you, you gain the knowledge on how to do it right, you know? And even if you didn't do it right the first time, you have the knowledge to do it right the second time. Um, yep. That's yeah. That's that's about all I've got. Um, well, thank you, Sam, for uh, coming on once again. It's always a pleasure yeah, no having problem. you. Um, 
yeah, just uh, feel free to plug things in as always. You know what it does, what it do. <laughs> Buy my sample libraries.